You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. So, uh, we have 15 outreach ministries here at Schweitzer. That's great. I, uh, I hope you are thrilled that you get to be a part of that. This morning, we're continuing on our Gospel of Luke journey where Jesus just pours out his heart to the oppressed, the people on the outskirts, you know, the, the people who ah, are on the wrong side of society and in his mission to overturn that, to be the way society was supposed to be from the beginning. And he does all this through the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about a particular story that he does today. He's on the way to Jerusalem. He's going through all these cool places. And he's, he's just got through doing ministry. And this this incredible scene happens. And I was reading through this, and a phrase of it leaped out of the page at me, and somebody about two weeks ago told me, what Bonhoeffer said is when you're reading scripture and, and a phrase or a sentence leaps out at you, spend two or three weeks with that phrase. Let it dig into you. There's some reason the Lord has, has had that jump out to you. And the phrase that just leaped off the page at me was, when he came to his senses. Literally, when he came to himself. I was chewing on that. What does that mean? Lord, why has that jumped off the page at me? And I had a conversation with Donnie Bryant this last Thursday. If you don't know who Donnie Bryant is, you need to know Donnie Bryant. He is the beauty on duty facilities guy on Sunday mornings. You don't realize it, but he makes it possible for you to have a great worship experience this morning. Uh, like for St. Patrick's Day, he wore a kilt. If you've never seen this guy, he's like an overgrown teddy bear. Anyway, uh, I was talking with Donnie, and Donnie is a massage therapist, and he has really been trying to live into that. He thinks he has a gift of healing, and I agree with him. And the Lord is trying to free him to live into that more and more. And what he was talking about is, you know, I've recently realized that I don't walk correctly. And I'm trying to learn to walk correctly so that when I'm at the table, I can stand correctly. And what I've realized is some point in my life, I don't even know when, whatever, but probably I had a certain pain in my life and I compensated for it. And so I have learned to walk incorrectly. And I've been studying walking and trying to get better at walking. And, and he was telling me about that. And I said, you know, that, that's really interesting. That triggers a, a thought. I've been thinking about coming to your senses. And what it sounds to me like is the Lord brought to your mind, if you will, you came to your senses. You came to your true self and realized that, that you were not being your true self as you were created to be in the realm of walking. And we both went, <gasps> how many other realms are there for us to come to our senses for us to be as we were created to be. There's, there's the physical realm. Oh, man, how many of us have stupid compensating act, actions that we do that make our body function incorrectly? We could study for the rest of our lives trying to get that straight. Well, there's our emotional life, our spiritual life with the Lord, our relational life with people, our financial life. I mean, all the ways that we, have, we try to compensate to overcome small pains in our life that keep us from being who we are. And we talked about it 
How does Jesus want to free us in those things? Does he, I mean, if you conceptualize that, wow, the only time anybody was ever really totally functioning the way they were created to function was in the garden, Adam and Eve. I mean, when we start following Jesus, does he try to get each of us back to what we would have been if there had never been a fall? Does, I mean, does, is that his goal in our lives? Or does he just say, ah, I know that's not impossible. That's not possible in this life. We'll just go for, ah, we'll go for a good limp rather than a bad limp. So I, I asked my wife about this conversation. She said, no, he wants us all the way back to the garden. He wants us all the way back to the garden. He's tried. The, the con- Oh, I don't want to cry, Lord. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to read this story. But here's how this sermon's going to go. I'm going to try to get us into the mind of Christ the best I can conceptualize it. I know that's an impossible goal, but there are things I, that, that I think that we don't normally read about this story that he had in mind, that he wants us to, to be there when we hear this story, all right? So we're going to just do some context that maybe you don't know, maybe you do. And then I'm just going to read the story to you. I'm going to try my best to read it as Jesus said it to who he was saying it to. And then we'll have communion, and you can think about it. Because when he ended this story, Scripture, Luke doesn't say they had a great conversation afterward. It, it just goes on. It's like he, he leaves this story hanging just like he did He's the book of Ezekiel and the book of, of Song of Psalms. It just kind of ends not resolved. Like there's this relationship that he really wants with us and is willing to do anything to get. Here we go. Here, imagine with me the setting of Luke 15, 1 through 10. This is uh, the precursor of the story that we're going to talk about today. So tax, this is Luke 15, 1. You don't look it up later, read it now, whatever you want. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus to listen as he taught. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So here's what I have in my mind. Jesus just got finished teaching, and he's kind of, you know, it's wrapping up. People are walking away, and the Pharisees and teachers come up, and they gang up on him. They surround him, and they lay into him. Don't you know who you're hanging out with? And, and here's Jesus. So we're going to go slow motion through Jesus' thoughts here, and then we're going to read the story that he told them. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and the teachers. I don't know if in his prayer time the Lord had told him this was coming and he'd already thought through all this, or did this happen instantaneously that he came up with these cool stories? But here are things that you may not know. The difference between an older brother and an elder brother. So this is something that, oh boy, Jesus knew this and the Pharisees really knew this, right? But we don't in our context really talk about this. So older brother is kind of something you're born into. Didn't choose it. Didn't, didn't ask for it, just happens. Um, elder brother is the responsibilities that go with that position. And I'm going to ask you to, to help me understand this. I'm, I'm going to prime the pump, but I want you to tell me, when are some times when your older siblings acted like older siblings? For instance, my older brother one time sprayed a can of Lysol in a closet and shut me in there and, stuff, and, and shut the door. 
because I was being annoying. I deserved it. He let me out eventually. So uh, also, my older brother, when he was around his teenage friends, and I just wanted nothing more than to be around them, and I was pestering and pestering and pestering and pestering, he would do all sorts of things to get rid of me. How about you? Older, older sibling stories. You got some? Good one, yeah. Leave you out in the snow, butt naked. That's what an older sibling would do. Wouldn't let you drive the Yeah, don't take turns with the power. Held the power for self. Yes, that's what an older sibling does. Any others? I think you get the point. Now, my brother sometimes acted like an elder brother. When I was lost in the grocery store, mom didn't have to tell There's a specific story. Mom didn't have to tell him to go find me. He was, he was gone. He was looking for me, and he found me. My, my elder brother also taught me how to dive off of high spots. He helped me learn how to do that and overcome that fear. How about you? Any elder sibling stories? Maybe the same sibling, but sometimes they acted like an elder rather than an older. In the back. Your elder sibling told your dad when you were about to date somebody bad. Yeah. Did it feel like an older sibling or an elder sibling at the time? <laughs> yeah. Any others? Okay, so you get it. An older sibling holds power and abuses it. An elder sibling uses power and, and position to help you. Now, there's another little tidbit in this story, and that is uh, Jesus is sitting there trying to think of, I-, I need a metaphor. I need to take them to the most dramatic, drastic, low place I can possibly take them in order to get across this principle I want to tell to these Pharisees. And he uses a little story that isn't very meaningful to us, swabbing or feeding pigs in a foreign country. Eh, big deal. So I tried to find something that's kind of equivalent of that in our day and age. Here you go. This is a sewage diver in India. Sometimes the machine that they use to clean up the sewage doesn't work. And that, for us, can you think of anything more disgusting that one of your younger siblings could go off to India and spend every dime he or she has and end up, this is the only job your younger sibling can get? So Jesus is trying to think of these things. I need, to, I need some shock value. I need to talk to these guys right where they are. And I need a good story because there's a lot coming into this moment. And these guys know it and I know it. And I'm going to show them I know it and I'm going to give them God's heart. Okay, so I can come up with three characters. And Rembrandt kind of shows an image of, I think, what Jesus was thinking in his mind. I've got a God figure, a father a father who desperately loves, a father who has done everything and will continue to do everything for the child. And I'll, I'll throw in, oh, there's a child. There's a, yeah, a younger, a younger brother who's gone as low as a younger brother can go. And then I need to speak to these Pharisees where they are. The older brother. They know they should be elder brothers, but they're acting like older brothers. 
So he, he, he tells them, he, he pictures this God. And in this moment that Jesus is trying to talk to these Pharisees, there's so much slamming in here. Yes, he's got this moment where older brothers are whining about younger brothers and sisters, if you will. But he's also got the full history of God trying to make Israel the elder brother for centuries. He's tried and tried to make Israel the elder brother who will go to the rest of the world, all the everybody else, and bring them back to Eden. And all through history, those elder brothers have acted like older brothers. And here I am again. I'm talking to petty leaders in this petty nation that God could wipe out right now. But I am the elder brother, and I'm supposed to help these guys who are acting like older brothers, who are really younger brothers who I've come to try to get to their senses, and they're trying to talk to their young, they think they're superior to their younger brothers. And there's going to be people 2,000 years from now listening to this story, and I'm talking to them too, because their minds flash to the times when they have younger siblings who they just ache for. Some of them are parents, some of them are older siblings, and they've got younger siblings who should be in here, but they're not. This chair, oh, somebody fixed it. I took this chair out of a spot right there and left an empty spot, but some very keen-eyed person got us back ready for worship. This, this represents who's, who's the younger sibling in your life who should be in here, for whom you need to be an elder brother or sister. Yeah. We've all got them. And, and the sibling, this younger sibling Jesus puts in, you know, there's something about that society. Do you realize, I'll just give you the reference in case you really get geeked out and want to go home and look this up. Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. A father in that culture had the right to have a rebellious child stoned, taken outside the city and killed by having stones thrown at them. So we've got, We've got somebody worthy of being stoned, but that's not, that's not the heart that Jesus has, right? Because uh, uh, he, he just knows. He knows we're only made out of dust. <laughs> yeah. Here's a, there was a good Facebook post from a pastor. He, he asked, he just wanted his friends to finish this sentence. I stopped running from God when... It became clear to me that I had made a mess of things. I hit rock bottom. She filed for divorce. I heard myself say the words, I'm an alcoholic. The pregnancy test came back positive. The path I was on came to a dead end, like being in a sewage cleaner. I woke up in a hospital after an overdose. I was in the back of a police car. You know, there are so many ways that each of us are, have been <laughs> that rebellious younger son who just looked at our father and said, I wish you were dead. Give me the inheritance now. Just like Israel said to God, we want a king. You're not good enough for us. And then you have the older son. 
who should behave like an elder. That is the responsibility of the older child in that culture is to ensure the health of the family. And, and, but these, I'm talking to Pharisees, and they are not being elders. They are being olders. And what they don't realize is they are being just as rebellious as the people they're pointing their finger at. They deserve to be stoned just as much. The challenge for us today, those, that elder position, if you are a follower of Jesus, the elders in our society are the people who are revered in the churches, who have the places of privilege in our family environments. Those, those are the older children. Well, how do you use that? Are you behaving like an older child? Or are you taking up the mantle of an elder child? and have the heart of the Father for all the other children. And that's what Jesus, that, that's, boy, he's looking at those Pharisees wanting to free them so that they can live into being God's solution on this earth. I got that from Timothy Keller. He did research. So here, here's what, he came up with that cultural understanding. It was the elder sibling's job to sustain the family's unity and its place in the community. It is the elder brother who should have said something like, hey, I'll go get the younger brother. I have an inkling of where he is. I'll use my own resources. I'll go get him, Father, because I, I mean, I know all your resources are mine. I'm going to use them to bring our family back together. I'll be back because I'm going for that one. Yeah. So think of the kind of elder brother we need. Hmm. We need one who would not just go into a far country, but who would step off the throne of the world and come into this cesspool to get each and every one of us. And that's the really ironic thing about this story is the elder brother. God sent Moses, God sent Elijah, God sent Elisha, God sent prophets, God sent the Babylonian Empire to try to shake some sense into Israel, and none of those worked. All the older siblings would not pay any attention, so he sent the ultimate elder brother. And that ultimate elder brother is looking at the Pharisees and the teachers knows all the complexity of their brokenness and the ways they've compensated because of the pains in their life and their, their, just, their desire to cling to power and their position and make themselves comfortable and, and what a trap that is, what a cesspool that is. And he, he realizes that they think there's some, you know, on the surface we're talking about the, the them you know, and the Pharisees are getting onto Jesus for hanging out with them. And if you only realize that you're them, and I love you all desperately, and how can I once again try to break through all this complexity and give a simple little story that will hopefully break through and make you come to your senses and live? 
So, we've got the background. We've got the chair representing maybe for you somebody who should be here. We've got the heart of God. Maybe. I hope I've, I hope I've put you in the place of feeling what God was feeling. Uh, I'm not sure I can feel it totally. So he starts. He starts with an easy story. He tells him about a shepherd and one lost sheep and 99 who weren't, you know, who were in church. And then he tells him another story of a lady looking for one coin out of ten. It kind of keeps getting more and more intense. He's kind of luring them in, drawing them in. And then he, he pulls out a story that answers their question in the moment, draws their very trained, scholarly, biblical minds to the grand, temporal, eternal battle that God is waging in this world. And uh, he reads it, and he walks away. So I'm going to do my best to read this story as, as Jesus spoke it to the Pharisees and as he's speaking it to you and me. And then uh, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're a parent with your heart aching for somebody who's in a cesspool. I don't know if you're in a cesspool. Well, <laughs> the reality is we all need to come to our senses more. There's more. He wants you in Eden with him in full relationship. Whatever gets in the way of that, oh, he'll bring it to you so you can come to your real self and, and get closer to him. And I don't know. I suspect many of us are find ourselves being older siblings. I don't know what the Lord has for you in this story. I'm going to read it, walk away, have fun with Jesus in communion. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Only a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money with wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. (laughs) 
and he finally came to his senses. I hate preaching. Uh, okay, that's not true. It's a love-hate thing, Lord. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am. I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say... Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. Please, take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and get sandals for his feet and kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. We need to have a feast for this son of mine was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost. But now he's found. Woo! So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, hey, What's going on? Your father is back. Sorry, your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. And wouldn't go in. His father came out to him. begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one slim goat to feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother, your brother, was dead, and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now 
He is found. 